SEP Fanfic Readings Presents Osculum Enum by My Delphi Chapter 5 Sixth Year Part 2 Hermione awakened to the scowling face of Professor Snape, which was almost as disconcerting as Madame Pomfrey's worried expression. In all her years and all the Quidditch-related injuries Hermione had witnessed, she had not once seen the stern matron be unsettled. How is it, Miss Granger, that you have neglected to inform any of us about the severity of your ailment? Her former potions professor drawled, and although Hermione's fear of the man had long since turned into respect and admiration, she suddenly felt like a first year again. I expected you to be one of the few students who would not waste my time with silly nonsense, and yet here we are. Severus! Madame Pomfrey scolded the unimpressed-looking man before she turned to Hermione with a warm smile. Hermione, dear, you assured me that you understood how serious your condition is, and that you would inform us should the symptoms change, especially if they got worse. But they didn't, Hermione protested, and tried to sit up, only to fall back into her pillow with a surprised yelp. The stabbing sensation was back, and it was much worse than before. Oh, she whispered, and rubbed against her sternum. Her D.A.D.A. professor sighed, and turned towards a small side-table, procuring a small glass vial that he offered to her. This is a temporary solution, until I have adjusted your regular potions, he ordered strictly, and Hermione didn't hesitate. The potion tasted slightly like pomegranate seeds, and the ache in her chest dissolved as soon as she had swallowed it. Thank you, she muttered quietly, which made Snape's lips turn even further downwards. In order to adjust the other potions, I need to know what else you might be taking, Miss Granger. Snape pocketed the empty vial. That includes anything you might take, even if it's not regularly. Hermione's brows furrowed slightly. There's nothing. The occasional sleeping draft towards the end of the year, when we take our exams. And pain relief potion. I get headaches at times. No doubt from all your studying. Madame Pomfrey quipped with a soft smile. The professor nodded, then shifted slightly. Trust me, Miss Granger, that I am no more eager to have this conversation than you will be. But I am aware that muggle-born students at times rely on muggle medicine, particularly when women prefer something other than the potion or certain charms. Hermione could feel herself flush when she realized what he was implying— muggle contraception. She glanced down at her hands that were fiddling with the flimsy bedsheet, unable to meet her professor's eyes. This was mortifying. Snape was the last person she wanted to talk to about this. Yes, I use that, she then said, clearing her throat to strengthen her voice. She knew that it was not anything to be ashamed of, and that many young women took the pill. How long have you been taking it? her professor inquired. Since August, after her OBGYN had prescribed it to lessen her severe period symptoms. It was a temporary solution, as Hermione had planned on scouring the Hogwarts library in search of a spell that could accomplish the same thing. Snape nodded. The change in your hormone levels has reduced the effect of the potions. And although he didn't add a foolish girl to the end of his sentence, she knew very well that he had thought it. Hermione had to admit that he was right. She should know better than to think something like that wouldn't affect how she reacted to potions. 
You will need to stop taking your muggle contraception, Miss Granger. Madame Pomfrey knows an array of spells that should provide a sufficient alternative. I will adjust the potions until the additional estrogen levels leave your system. Then we will continue your regular treatment. Snape ordered with a glance toward the school nurse, who nodded. That sounds like an excellent plan, Severus. She smiled, gently patting Hermione's hand. I will look through my notes for a suitable spell, and teach you once you've rested a bit. The potion Severus gave you may make you feel sleepy for a while. Your body needs to rest. As soon as she said it, Hermione was overcome by a wave of fatigue. She struggled to keep her eyes open, but blinked determinedly. Where's Harry? He was with me when I fainted. Her voice slurred slightly. He needs to bring me my school bag. I haven't finished my essay yet. Snape arched one eyebrow. Mr. Potter had been instructed to return to his common room and assure the remaining Weasleys that you were not in any mortal danger after causing quite a scene at the library. And I trust that you will have ample time to finish whatever assignment is due in three weeks' time. He muttered something else about that professor being lucky, because this might be the one time that she would not write a foot more than was required, before nodding at Madame Pomfrey and leaving the hospital wing. Who... Hermione blinked, trying to lift her head from the pillow, but it was suddenly terribly heavy, just like the rest of her body. Who? Here? Because there was no way that Harry could carry her all the way from the library to the hospital wing. Oh, Madame Pomfrey seemed to understand and smiled slightly. Who brought you here? Well, you found yourself a blonde knight in shining armor, Hermione. He looked quite strapping as he carried you in here. The nurse tugged her blanket a bit higher, and Hermione's eyes slipped shut. Only fitting. Old families are very intent on chivalry and good manners. And a family like them... Hermione fell asleep before Madame Pomfrey could finish her sentence. She dreamed of strong arms carrying her, feeling like she was floating as the castle passed her by. Her unknown savior didn't have a face, but there were flashes of blonde hair and blue eyes. At times she felt like the shade wasn't quite right. When she woke up the second time, Hermione felt well-rested, this time there was no Professor Snape scowling at her, and Madame Pomfrey was bustling about a bed near the entrance door, surrounded by a small group of first or second years. Hermione could hear tidbits of conversation, and quickly realized that one of the children had fallen off their broom while practicing. There was a reason why she didn't trust those blasted things. But it only seemed to have resulted in a broken bone or two, and since there was no incompetent teacher around who took it upon themselves to treat it by simply removing the bones altogether— Madame Pomfrey merely needed to swish her wand once, and this quiet sobbing ebbed off. Hermione watched as the nurse added her finishing touches, before ushering her newly healed patient and the concerned students out of the hospital wing. At the door, she was ambushed by two very familiar faces, and Hermione's heart suddenly felt too big for her chest. "'Mr. Potter!' Madame Pomfrey began, sounding exasperated as she pushed her hands on her hips. As I have told you and Mr. Weasley yesterday evening, last night and this morning, I will inform you as soon as Miss Granger awakens. Until then, the best thing you can do for her is take diligent notes in your shared classes. But, Madam Pomfrey, that was Ron's voice. Mr. Weasley, I appreciate your concern for your friend, but she is still... Madam Pomfrey glanced toward Hermione, and upon seeing that she was wide awake, the matron smiled slightly. Well... It seems if you have come at the right time, but don't excite her, she ordered sternly, before allowing the boys through the door. To Hermione's relief, they were carrying her satchel, 
At least she would be able to work on her essay and stay on top of things. She had a slight suspicion that she would have to stay another night, at least. Hey. She smiled and pushed herself up as both of her friends approached her bed. They looked worried sick, and Hermione briefly thought back at her eleven-year-old self, who had always stuck out like a sore thumb, had never made a single friend, and had laid awake at night, worrying she wouldn't find any friends at Hogwarts either. But here they were. Myony! Ron reached her first, his hands hovering awkwardly over her arm before patting her on the shoulder twice. What happened? Harry told us you fainted in the library. It's nothing, she assured him and Harry, who was standing on her other side with wide eyes. I promise. Just some side effects from the potions. Professor Snape will adjust them and I'll be as good as new. I'm sorry for worrying you. Don't apologize, Harry sighed and sat down on the edge of her thin mattress. We're just glad you're all better now. I almost fainted myself when you suddenly passed out. Luckily, McClagan was there. McClagan? Hermione grimaced at the name. If there was one person she didn't want to think about, other than Voldemort, it was Cormac McClagan. Yes, he carried you here, Ron clarified, and Hermione could feel herself grow pale. McClagan had? An uncomfortable shudder raced down her spine, and there was a twinge of disappointment. Part of her had hoped that it had been Malfoy who had carried her here. Of course it wasn't Malfoy. He doesn't even look at me anymore, she thought bitterly. It sounds like I have to apologize to him for the inconvenience, then, Hermione said through a forced smile, and Ron snorted. I don't think he minded, he laughed. He's told half the school how he heroically saved you. On the way here, I heard a few girls speculate that you're already betrothed and will get married once you have finished your newts. What? Hermione's head snapped towards Harry, who winced. Tell me that's a joke. I've never even spoken to McLagan, she insisted, a hint of hysteria in her voice. Sorry, I panicked, and he was there, and— Harry sounded apologetic, and there was that guilt again. It's not your fault, Harry. It was McLagan's alone, and Hermione would have to do something about it. Maybe she would be lucky, and McLagan was also an unregistered animagus. She could procure another mason jar from somewhere. Harry and Ron stayed until Professor Snape suddenly appeared, asking them dryly if they had finally realized the futility of trying to pass even one of their newts, or why else were they skipping class. They left hurriedly, promising to be back in the evening. Hermione was presented with new potions, and after Madame Pomfrey and her professor conferred in the small bureau out of earshot, she was informed that she would have to stay another night before she was free to return to class and to her dorms but she would have to come in three times a week for the foreseeable future, so they could monitor her more closely. Hermione agreed after Madame Pomfrey allowed her to work on her essay while she was in the infirmary. She finished it quickly before dozing off again, waking up shortly before Ron and Harry returned, Ginny and Luna in tow, as well as Neville. Ron carried a bag filled with sweets for her, which she shared with the group. Once they had demolished a concerning amount of chocolate frogs and fizzing whisbies, Madame Pomfrey ordered them back to their rooms. They left Hermione with a bag of squirming peppermint toads and an issue of Witches Weekly, as well as the Quibbler, and an interesting herbology book Neville snuck her when neither Ginny nor Luna was looking and promised to be back tomorrow. Hermione assured them that there would be no need because she'd be back in the dorms, but they weren't deterred. Madame Pomfrey looked over at her one last time before telling her not to stay up too late. Then the elderly matron retired to her own chambers, leaving Hermione to herself in the otherwise empty infirmary. Not that Hermione minded. She opened her box of peppermint toads, quickly put a spell on them so they wouldn't hop away, and turned towards the herbology book. 
although she had never had much interest in the topic. Harry's use of gillyweed had been impressive, and Neville had chosen a book that focused on more interesting aspects of magical plants. Turning to her side, Hermione propped the book against her blanket-covered legs, her arm pillowing her head. The small orb of light floating in the small jar on the nightstand was just bright enough for her to read without straining her eyes, but dim enough that it wasn't irritating. Sighing contentedly, Hermione snatched another peppermint toad, having long since grown used to the sensation of a squirming piece of chocolate because wizarding sweets were universally strange. This would be her last night in the hospital wing. Tomorrow evening, she'd get to sleep in her own bed and finally be able to attend her classes again. Which she desperately needed to, because as much as she loved her two best friends, the notes they took during class weren't up to par with hers. She nodded off over an article about a Hungarian fruit that, if consumed, led to the temporary ability to blend in with one's surroundings, almost like a chameleon. That night, she dreamed about soft fingers caressing her cheek and hesitantly brushing back her curls. She dreamed about a vague figure standing over her bed, and for some reason, it made her feel safe instead of threatened. She dreamed of fair hair, pale skin, and blue eyes, and the scent of expensive silk. She dreamed about a quiet, regretful voice whispering an endless stream of apologies. True to her word, Madame Pomfrey discharged her the next morning with stern instructions not to overexert herself, and a list full of useful contraceptive charms, among them one that needed to be applied once a month and had similar effects to her muggle contraception, only it went as far as allowing herself to skip her period entirely, and Hermione decided right then and there that Madame Pomfrey was her favorite witch. As she had been ordered to take the day to recuperate and settle back into her dorms, Hermione was excused from her classes, or rather forbidden from attending them. She briefly contemplated sneaking into class after all, but when she passed Professor Snape in the hallway while on her way to her dorm, his knowing glower made her duck her head and hurry towards Gryffindor Tower. Fine, she would use the day to revise and look over the notes her friends had given her, and hope that they were at least somewhat helpful. But upon unpacking her satchel, Hermione quickly realized that although well-meaning, her friends weren't helpful in the least. She was barely able to decipher Ron's chicken-scratch writing, not that it was worth the effort since he seemed to take notes at random and seemed to spend most of his time in class doodling on his parchment. Harry was somewhat better, probably due to their studying together. His DADA notes made some sense, but the litany of scrawled theories about Draco Malfoy's supposed motivations and plans now that he was a Death Eater in Harry's mind was far too distracting. Luna's notes consisted of theories about nargles, blibbering humdingers, and crumple-horned snorkaks. Ginny hadn't supplied her with notes due to being a year below them and still on her way to taking her OWLs. The only helpful notes came from Neville. He was meticulous about herbology and had added labeled diagrams to every plant mentioned. The only downside was that his vast interest led him to having an advanced knowledge of herbology, far beyond what was required for their newts and although Hermione had already read all their sixth- and seventh-year literature on all her classes, he used certain terms and referred to rare plants that even she had never heard about. She didn't have much personal interest in herbology, and had only taken the course because it complemented potions well, and because she had been overcome by a flare of ambition to take the maximum amounts of newts. And it had been between herbology, muggle studies, divination, and care for magical creatures. The choice had been relatively easy. Sighing, she resigned. Hermione reached once again into her satchel to procure her favorite quill so that she could check her newly written essay before turning it in, only to pause when her fingers brushed against parchment. 
Curiosity peaked. She procured another sheaf of parchment. Had she missed some of her friend's notes? But when she unrolled the thick stack of notes, her brows furrowed slightly. The handwriting was entirely unfamiliar. Elegant, looping, and precise. Nothing like the scrawl of her friend's. And the notes... A pleased shudder raced down her spine as her eyes flickered over the neatly written lines. They were perfect, meticulous, on point, and coordinated. There were two pages on DADA, three on arithmancy, and multiple ones on charms, transfiguration, ancient runes, and potions. The only class missing was herbology, and Hermione's breath stopped as her brain leapt to the only explanation. There was only one student who shared all those newt classes with her— only one who had picked alchemy instead of herbology. Only one who shared her ambition, and spent almost as much time studying as she did. Draco Malfoy. Who had sufficiently ignored her for the entire school year, never even glancing in her direction. No, they couldn't be his notes. It was impossible. Presumptuous of her to even think he would care. But he does care, doesn't he? He cared in Diagon Alley. Her traitorous thoughts pointed out, and her heart fluttered again. Thoughtfully, Hermione rubbed her aching sternum as she contemplated what to do next. Should she mention it? Approach him? Talk to him? Groaning, she closed her eyes and leaned back in her chair, just when she had hoped that things would be less complicated for once in her life. Her first class after her brief stay at the hospital wing was herbology. Both Harry and Ron fluttered about her until her patience snapped, and she tried to deflect by asking Harry who he would be taking to Slughorn's party. A mistake as it sent Ron spiraling into a tirade about obnoxious favoritism, and how Slughorn was only marginally better than Snape, and how he would drop that class in a heartbeat if he didn't need it to become an Auror. It grated on her already frayed nerves until Hermione put down her Ditney pot with slightly more force than necessary, and commented that she had originally planned to invite him as her plus one, but she could see that he clearly wasn't interested. It made Ron stammer and blush, and he muttered something about not being interested in going anyways, but for the rest of class, he would glance at her with something in his eye that made her feel dread. It didn't help that he blushed and ducked his head bashfully every time their eyes met. Things only got worse, because that evening as they returned to the Gryffindor common room, they stumbled about a very disheveled-looking Ginny and a slightly sheepish Dean Thomas. From their pink lips and flushed faces, it was clear that they had been in the middle of making out. While Harry looked vaguely sick, Ron became apoplectic, and when two Weasley tempers clashed, it was best to seek shelter and wait it out. Harry followed Hermione as she slunk towards a secluded corner of the common room and settled next to her on the couch near the fireplace. It was far enough away that they were no longer in the line of fire, but close enough to intervene should wands be raised and jinxes be fired. Due to the Weasley lungs, they weren't spared from overhearing the argument. Ron began lecturing Ginny about propriety and how witches had to behave, that she was too young to even think about boys. Hermione glowered slightly because she was strictly against shaming women for their sexuality, and despised the part of the wizarding world that still thought witches needed to act like they were stuck in the Victorian age. Ginny seemed to share her view, because she began to screech at him, firing back insults and arguments until the younger Weasley finally pointed out that Hermione had been her age when she had been in a relationship with Victor Crumb, and that Ron certainly hadn't kicked up such a fuss about that. Ginny, Hermione protested from her seat, not wanting to be caught in their fight, and got a slightly apologetic look from the girl, before it was quickly replaced by smugness as she took in her brother's flushed ears. Yeah, but, but, Ron was clearly struggling to find an effective counter-argument. 
Finally, his eyes lit up and his spine straightened. But Crumb was honorable and probably courted her. He wasn't just playing with her. Besides, it's not like Hermione goes around kissing random wizards. They were properly together. At that, Hermione flushed bright red and bit her bottom lip to hold back her slightly manic laughter, because that was exactly what she was doing. Well, it was only one wizard, but they certainly weren't together. And yet, she somehow always ended up with his tongue down her throat, and his hands on her waist. And no. She hid her face behind her book, praying to Merlin, Circe, and Morgana that nobody noticed her crimson cheeks. But when she dared a quick peek at her friends, she noticed Harry watching her with a thoughtful expression. How was it that the boy who was charmingly unobservant and rarely noticed anything suddenly noticed this? Just her luck, as always. Ginny and Ron did their very best to pretend the other didn't exist after their row. It caused a lot of tension during meals, but on the upside it distracted her from her ridiculously handsome, pointy-faced problem named Draco Malfoy. She still hadn't found a way to thank him for his notes, or determine if they were actually his in the first place. Her initial certainty that they were his had quickly waned as doubt started to rear its ugly head. How could they be his? It wasn't like he had visited her in the infirmary. And her satchel was charmed, so he couldn't have just charmed them in there. On top of that, he was still acting like he didn't even notice her existence. But then again, he barely seemed to acknowledge anyone, even his friends. He was also losing weight rapidly, and the shadows underneath his eyes darkened with each passing day. It made Hermione worry for reasons she didn't want to inspect too closely. Luckily, the Weasley siblings reconciled before the Quidditch match against Slytherin, and a collective breath of relief escaped every Quidditch-affine Gryffindor when Ron and Ginny sat next to each other on the morning of the match, talking over strategies with Harry. For once, Hermione felt a hint of excitement about a Quidditch game. Following her brief return to the hospital wing, she had once again realized just how very fond she was of her friends. And although she couldn't care less about the sport, she cared about them. That didn't mean she condoned Harry's use of liquid luck. Although the sudden surge of confidence in Ron pleased her, she stood firmly against cheating in any kind of competition. Not that it mattered to Harry, who followed their friend out of the Great Hall and towards the Quidditch pitch, accompanied by Ginny. Hermione still attended the game, applauding accordingly but never losing her disapproving glower. Yes, Gryffindor played well, and Ron did an excellent job, proving his worth as keeper, but she was convinced he could have accomplished it without relying on a potion. It was thus not much of a surprise that Slytherin lost. Their seeker, a scrawny third year who was hesitant about more risky maneuvers, stood no chance against Harry. Hermione frowned. She hadn't realized that Malfoy had dropped out of the team. There was no way that they had kicked him to the curb. He was a great flyer fast and agile, with quick reflexes, and an unwavering trust in his broom, not to mention his obvious love for the sport. Why on earth would he willingly leave a team he had done everything for to become a part of during second year? It didn't sit right with her. But before she could decipher it, she was caught up in a crowd of cheering Gryffindors and dragged back towards the castle amidst cheers and jubilant shouts. The Gryffindor common room was riotous, and Ron finally got the recognition he deserved. Hermione stood a little to the side, watching the group gathered around their keeper with fondness. Harry was leaning against the wall next to her, seemingly equally relieved that it was Ron who got acknowledged and not him. For all his fame and accomplishments, Harry was ridiculously humble. She laughed softly when a few of the male students suddenly lifted Ron into the air, chanting his name and making him beam like a thousand suns. She basked in the joyous atmosphere, 
eager to lap up every ray of happiness before the inevitable darkness would suck away all the cheer and laughter as war tore through Wizarding Britain. But then Ron was set to his feet, and suddenly Lavender Brown was there, throwing her arms around him and pulling him into a kiss. Loud whistles erupted around them, but her own smile vanished. It was replaced by a painful stab of jealousy, not of Ron, not of Lavender, but of them together, and the easy acceptance they received. There wasn't a single disapproving frown amongst the crowd, and she was convinced that at that moment the two lovebirds didn't worry about a thing in the world. They had it so easy. And she... she had lost her heart to a wizard who would never be easy, even if they had lived in a world where they weren't on opposite sides of an inevitable war. People still wouldn't have cheered for them. They would have frowned disapprovingly or made scathing comments. They would have had to worry about being seen and by whom, about family and blood and politics and house rivalry. And here was Ron in the arms of a witch. Ron, whom she should have been in love with, because maybe she would have had a chance to be happy and sickeningly saccharine. Tears brimmed in her eyes and she had to turn away from the scene, fleeing the common room hurriedly. She hastened down the empty corridor past the curiously onlooking portraits, until she found a secluded corner overlooking the dark lake. She sat down on the stairs, buried her face in her hands, and then they came. Hot tears and sobs made her heart and throat ache. And then someone wrapped an arm around her shoulder, and when she looked up, there was Harry, who watched her with worried eyes, and offered the same silent and sincere comfort he always offered, and Hermione couldn't fight it any more. She hid her face inside his chest, and cried until her eyes were dry as there were no more tears left. The entire time he was quiet, running a hand up and down her back, until finally she had stopped shaking and her body was no longer racked with sobs. Hermione, I'm sure that he loves you. This lavender is just easy. Easy because he's so scared you might reject him and because she took the first step. But I'm sure that he's actually in love with you, Harry said quietly, and Hermione stiffened. She pulled back, staring at her best friend with wide eyes. Harry, I'm not in love with Ron, she croaked and watched his dark eyebrows furrow. But then, why? He asked confused, shaking his head slightly as if that might help him understand. Because, Hermione closed her eyes, because he gets to be happy and I don't. Because he gets to fall in love with someone he can't be in love with. She whispered and heard how he inhaled sharply. When she dared to look at him, there was a strange look in his eyes. But then, who? His voice trailed off before she could even start shaking her head. Please don't ask. I can't tell you. She begged, and after a moment of hesitation, Harry nodded. Whether or not he had a suspicion about who it might be, Hermione didn't know. But she desperately hoped he would misinterpret it and think that she was still in love with Victor or someone else. Anyone but Malfoy. Want to just sit here and be silent for a moment? He asked instead, and Hermione briefly worried that she might start crying again. Not trusting her voice, she merely nodded, putting her head on his shoulder in exhaustion. But they weren't left alone for long. A high-pitched giggle, followed by besotted laughter, disturbed the silence, and then Ron and Lavender turned around the corner, stumbling upon them. And instead of simply leaving, Ron made a comment about them looking cozy, and what was going on between them, and Hermione exploded. She jumped to her feet, anger rising quickly, and she fired one scathing comment after another at him. 
It was easier to blame him for her situation than acknowledge that it had been her own foolishness and traitorous heart that inevitably broke it. But it was his fault, wasn't it? If he had asked her to the Yule Ball, that one kiss that changed everything wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have forgotten her feelings for him. She wouldn't have kissed Malfoy, and she wouldn't have inevitably shifted everything between her and that thrice-be-damned snake. But she couldn't say any of that. So she blabbered nonsense that hit where it hurt, until Ron let a smug lavender drag him to some alcove or another, where she would undoubtedly do her very best to snog him until he couldn't remember his own name, never mind the insults Hermione had hurled at him. Breathing hard, Hermione finally turned towards Harry again, who was watching her thoughtfully. It was obvious that he still wasn't entirely convinced that Hermione wasn't heartbroken due to seeing Ron with another girl. Tiredly, she told him to go back to the common room and celebrate with the others, and that she would join him shortly. Unusually perceptive, Harry nodded and granted her the solitude she so desired. Exhausted, Hermione sat down again. The steps were hard and uncomfortable, and the breeze through the window carried the bite of winter. But she didn't care. Not when she finally had a moment to herself. Only to be disturbed again. Just her luck that she had found herself the most frequented corner of the castle. Unless you want to get jinxed, I recommend you leave, she said without raising her head from where it was resting on her knees. But it was to no avail. The steps came closer and stopped right in front of her. Sighing, Hermione closed her eyes to fight off the oncoming headache. Do you love him? That voice. Her eyes flew open and she looked up her heart stopping for a moment as she found Malfoy staring down at her. His face was hard and blank, almost like he had put up a wall that she couldn't glimpse past. No, she whispered. Sometimes I wish I did. Why? Something flickered in Malfoy's gaze. Because it would be easier. Because I would have a chance of being happy. Instead, it's... Her voice trailed off and she quickly looked away. The you that had almost slipped out made her cheeks burn with mortification. Had she truly let her guard down enough to almost confess to Malfoy how he made her feel? That despite the anguish and confusion and conflicting nature of him, a small but persistently growing part of her heart had started to belong to him. But before she could even as much as think about fleeing, he was suddenly there, kneeling right in front of her and that his hands were cupping her face, and his lips met hers, and the ache in her chest vanished, replaced by something warm and wonderful. He kissed her as if he cherished her, and Hermione didn't hesitate to return the soft pressure of his lips and the gentle movements as they slid against hers. Her hands reached for him, one holding on to his robes, and the other following the arch of his neck to his soft hair. And then there was his tongue, and for a moment she forgot how to think altogether. It was only when her lungs screamed for air that she managed to rip herself away, bringing a few centimeters of distance between their faces. He was panting just like her, his breath caressing her face as his eyes flickered to her lips which were undoubtedly bright pink and shiny, just like his. Her own gaze roamed over his face as well, as she finally allowed herself to truly look at him, no longer afraid he might catch her staring, and underneath the soft pink blotches on his high cheekbones— he was almost sickly pale. Carefully, she ran a finger over his cheek. You look pale, Hermione whispered, and his lips quirked slightly. Don't tell me you're worried about me, Granger. Malfoy husked in return, and now it was her turn to blush. She shrugged softly, unable to meet his eyes. 
but she didn't need to see his expression to feel the shift in the atmosphere surrounding them. Fingers cupped her chin, and he tilted her head upwards until she was forced to look at him. Don't worry about me, Granger. I'm not worth it, he insisted, voice quiet but firm. Malfoy, Hermione began, but soft lips silenced her. It's better for us both if you don't, Malfoy whispered against her mouth, kissing her again before she could utter a word of protest. She wanted to argue, tell him she could care about whomever she wanted, and that it was none of his business whom she chose to care about. But it was very hard to form comprehensive sentences, or remember words at all when he was kissing her like a man starved for any form of affection. 